Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. We've been studying three levels of Christians from the Christmas story found in Luke 1. Last week, we looked at Elizabeth Christians and Zechariah Christians and each of them with their kind of their merits and, and maybe even their drawbacks. But this week, we're going to look at Christians that, that are like Mary, the mother of Jesus. Call them Mary Christians, if you will. Now, Mary, the thing about her is she found favor with God. And I find that really intriguing and, and find that to be really good news. If she found favor with God, then that means we can find favor with God as well. But we got to go look for it. Now, whenever you think about having favor with God, what that means literally is you find the place where you can be blessed by God. You, you, you find that you can receive special favors from God. I mean, it's, it's a very literal thing to find favor with God. And that's what Mary found is that that favor translated into her having the son of God and, and being the mother of Jesus. And so good things happen to you when you find favor with God. And also good things happen to those around you as you will see from Mary's story. So listen in to today's podcast, and we're going to explore the secret to finding favor with God. Let's get started with part two to our message that we started last Sunday, three levels of Christians from the Christmas story. And uh, (coughs) what we did, we looked at last Sunday, we looked at two the first two types of Christians from the Christian Christmas story. And today we'll look at the third level of Christian from the Christmas story. And let me just summarize very quickly. Zechariah, the, the father of John the Baptist, <coughs> call it Zechariah Christians. All right. That first level of Christians, Zechariah Christians. Um, he he was a he was a good guy. The Bible says that he followed all the commandments. He and his wife were blameless in the sight of the Lord. He was a priest, and he, w- he had reached such a level of priesthood that he was actually the one to go in and offer the sacrifice that year. He was blameless, but he represents so many Christians today that on the surface, on the external, they look good, but on the inside, there's something that's missing. Zechariah Christians. We find that Zechariah was a he was a fearful person. He was a worry wart. And you might look at yourself and say, I'm a worry wart. I'm a fearful person. Well, congratulations. I am, too. (laughs) We're Zechariah Christians. And he had trouble believing God when the angel told him what was going to happen. How many of you have trouble believing God sometimes when he promises you something, when he tells you something? Welcome to our world. We're Zechariah Christians. We have trouble believing God when he promises us something. The opportunity Zechariah had to move to the next level was just simple relationship with Jesus. Learning to walk with Jesus, learning to talk to Jesus, learning to believe Jesus, learning to thrust out all that fear in and having it replaced with the love of God. Because the, the Bible says that Perfect love casts out all fear. So the more you enter into Jesus's love, into relationship with Jesus, the less fear you're going to have. 
and you begin to believe Jesus more and more. And so that's the way to go from a Zechariah Christian to the next one, which is an Elizabeth Christian that we talked about last last Sunday as well. Elizabeth was the wife of Zechariah, and we see a whole different level of Christianity in her, a whole level of relation, different level of relationship in her. She lived in the experience of having her disgrace moved away from her. How many of you have disgrace in your life in the past? It, it, you know, f- failures, a stigma in the past, in your past, that you think about it and it just brings you down. You immediately fall into a spiral of negative, a downward spiral of negativity whenever you think of your past. And last Sunday I said, I can't remember if it was Sarah or I read it. Well, it was Jessica. It was on a Wednesday night that Jessica said, you know what? When I look in my past, all I see is Jesus. All I see is Jesus. Let me tell you what. That is why you and I should come to church on Wednesday nights. You will hear things like this that will put you, instead of spiraling downward, will put you on an upward virtuous cycle where you're spinning upward instead. When you look back, when, when Elizabeth looked back, she said, I have been freed from my disgrace. I have been freed from my past. My past can no, no longer reach up and grab me and pull me back anymore because all I see is Jesus behind me. That's called mercy, by the way. When you look back and all you see is Jesus, that's mercy, not the person mercy. It's <laughs> it's the person, Jesus. He's in your past. He's he's merciful to you and not reminding you. He says he's taken all your all your failures and put them into the sea of his forgetfulness. He doesn't even think about them. Neither should you or I. We learn that God defies the law of cause and effect and he doesn't repay you with what you and I deserve. He, he says, all right, I know the law of cause and effect. You should, you've smoked all your life, there, therefore you should have lung disease. You know what? He negates the law of cause and effect through the Son, Jesus Christ. He, took, he bore all, everything that we deserved, carried it to the cross, and he negates the law of cause and effect. That's the mercy of God. Look at Elizabeth. She was joyful. Have you ever experienced Christian joy before? Well, then you've got a taste of being an Elizabeth Christian. Joy overflowing. She, the, the, the story goes in Luke 1, she said, the one who is said to not be able to have children is now in her fifth or sixth month, whichever one that was. God wants to bring to life the promises that he's promised you. He wants to bring them into existence, birth them, so to speak. And that's what an Elizabeth Christian does. She believed God. She believed God. And we talked about this last. There's Christians and then there's believers. There's Christians and then there's believers. Are you a believer so that when God tells you something, you say, I believe you, God. I believe you're going to do. You tell me I can do something. I believe I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You tell me I can have something. I believe that God has given me all that I need for life and for godliness. Yes, God, if you say you're going to do it, you're going to do it. And, and Elizabeth Christians, they're bubbling over. They're telling people about Jesus everywhere. They're telling about Jesus did this for me. Jesus did that for me. And when you look back on your past, all you see is Jesus. Now, let, let me take this. This just intrigues me, this statement. When you look back, all you see is Jesus. Listen to this scripture that proves that out. 
in Psalms 23, verse 6. We didn't cover this last Sunday. David says, surely goodness and mercy will, what? Follow me all the days of my life. Mercy is behind me, praise God, covering everything that I've ever done wrong. And then this verse came to me as I was thinking about this this week. This just this thought just bless me beyond I'm this is life changing when you look back all you see is mercy that's a life changing thing that's a that you start seeing things totally different but look in Isaiah 58 verse 8 the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard isn't that powerful you look back and all you see is the Lord the glory of God protecting you covering you keeping you absolutely amazing and listen to this the lowest place if you ever get scared you say "Uh oh i'm gonna fall i'm gonna fall back into the habits the addictions the the whatever from my past you know what the lowest point you can fall to is god's mercy he has this big old cushiony massive pillow that if you do fall you're gonna fall straight into his mercy that's the lowest you can ever fall in your life well, Elizabeth Christians are wonderful, but there's one more level. There's one more level of Christianity found here in this Christmas story in Luke 1. So if you want to get your Bibles out, we're going to be picking up where we left off last Sunday. And we're going to pick right up in verse 26 of Luke 1. So if you have your, your Bibles, take a look at that with me, all right? So there's Elizabeth Christians, but there's Mary Christians. And I'm not talking about Mary as in happy Christians. I'm talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus, Christians. All right. And you can be one of them starting today. Once you listen to these, some of these things, it's just exciting. I've been on this all week long, just thrilled, excited, ecstatic. It's beautiful. It's glorious and it's life changing. Here it goes. Verse 26 in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. See, uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was uh, Elizabeth's cousin. Elizabeth was considerably older than her. And um, God sent an, the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to the town of Galilee, to a virgin pledged. She, was, she wasn't married yet. She was, call it, engaged. But it was a lot stronger engagement in those days. When you were pledged, you were almost married, but you hadn't consummated the marriage yet. She was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, King David. And if you look at all the prophecies, that's just an amazing thing. Sure enough, a descendant of David was going to be the Messiah. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. We're talking about Mary Christians, highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, Mary was greatly troubled by his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Well, why would Mary be troubled by these words? Well, we can only imagine. We can only guess what troubled her. But uh, you and I, we have to put ourselves in Mary's shoes and say, well, why would I be troubled? If an angel came to me and said, you were highly favored, why would you be troubled? And I know why I would be troubled. And it would be this. I would be troubled by asking, how did I achieve that? How did I get to a place of being favored by God? It troubles me to think that I could be in a place and not know how I got there. Because if I don't know how I got there, I could fall out of favor with God. And I don't want that to happen. So I'm troubled because I don't know how I achieved this favoring with God. 
because I could lose it because I don't know how I got there. But the angel answers her. He says, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. And somehow that relieved Mary and answered her questions as to how it was that she was favored to God. It wasn't a matter of achieving favor. She had stumbled on to favor with God. And I, I say this about two years ago, I stumbled onto grace. And I've been a Christian a couple of decades. All right. I stumbled onto God's grace and I've never been the same again. Mary found favor with God and she realized the first thing she realized is she didn't have to earn anything from God. Grace is a free gift of God. She found it. She didn't earn it. That means, and this is what's relieving to me, if I found grace, you can find grace as well. There's something relieving. There's something wonderful about the fact that when I find something, anybody can find it. Anybody can have it. That, that calms your heart because then it's not just you. It's everybody. The grace of God is for every single soul. You don't have to be stuck as, as a Zechariah Christian. You don't have to be stuck as Elizabeth Christian. You can be a Mary Christian. It's available to all of us. And we're going to look at that carefully today. Well, we continue on in verse 31. The angel goes on. He says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. That was good news for Mary. She wasn't going to be one of the ones like her cousin who was never able to have children. And furthermore, in those days, it was very, uh, for, for whatever reason, uh, looked up to to have a son. Two, two good marks again, or she was going to be, she was going to conceive. It was going to be a son. She even knew the name to be given to the son. And it didn't stop there. He said, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. Now there, stop the, you know, stop what's going on here. He's going to be called the son of God, not the son of Joseph. What on earth? This was a clue to her that this was something supernatural. This was something unbelievable. This was something that would, uh, th this rings of Messiah. This rings of I am going to be the mother of somebody who they've been waiting on for hundreds and hundreds of years. He's going to be the son of the most high. The, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. This was going to be the Messiah that she was going to be giving birth to. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Let me tell you, look at look at all this good news. Thing after thing after thing. Now, how many of you think that God has something bad planned for you, that something negative is going to happen to you? No, no, no. God has good plans for you. He has a purpose in James. What is it? Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans not to harm you, but to give you a future, to give you a hope. God has good plans for you and good things happen to people who find favor with God. You might look at your life and say, I've only had bad things happen to you. And it might be true. You know what? If you can find favor with God, good things are going to begin to happen to you. And lots of them. Lots of them. 
you, if you don't find favor with God, could miss out on many good things in your life. I don't want to get to heaven and find a storeroom full of blessings that I never appropriated, that I never received. I want everything that God has for me. So I want good things to happen to me. You know what? I need the favor of God. I need to find that favor of God, that grace of God. So Mary asks, how will this be? <laughs> For I am yet a virgin. She she realized the angel was saying before you get married, you are going to conceive. And she asks the angel, how is this going to be? Now, do you think it's wrong to ask God questions? No. Some people, I tell you what, the deeper you get into religion and the farther away you get from God, religion will teach you you don't need to ask questions. You just take it at face value. You have blind faith. God never wanted you to have blind faith. He wants you to ask questions. Why does he want you to ask questions? When you ask him a question, it's going to lead to a conversation, and that's called prayer. And so the best place to start with God sometimes is just ask him the questions that you have. Now, don't come to him as Zachariah did without in your questions. Ask him sincerely and say, God, how does this work? And you can furthermore, you can ask God why questions. God, why did you let this happen? But don't do it with doubt. Don't do it with bitterness. Don't do it with anger. Come to God with an open heart and say, God, why, how, what? Who, when, God, ask him questions. They lead to wonderful conversations with God. God wants you to ask him questions. The angel, the angel answered. Look at this. Look at the response here. The angel answered. When you ask questions of God, God will give you answers. He will give you answers. The angel answered. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One to be born... Um, will be called the son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive and is in her sixth month. She who was said to have cancer is free from cancer. Praise God. You know, him who was said to be an addict the rest of life is now freed from his addiction. Amen. Whatever it is, you the doctor may have told you something. Your, your parents in a mean-spirited way, may have told you something when you were young, but God has something else to say. He has something else to trump what is going on in your life. And so, uh, for no word from God will ever fail. Look at this. Mary, <laughs> Mary Christians, are going to experience God's sovereign hand of grace in their lives and also see God's sovereign hand of grace in those around them that they care and love. In fact, that's a sign of God's favor. When God not only begins to bless you, he starts to begin to bless those around you that you care, that you love for. That's why it's so important to pray for those that might seem like an impossibility. It might seem like, God, you're never going to change that person. I've known them all their lives. I know what kind of person they are. But God says, no, you know what? I'm going to show my favor to you and to them because my favor rests on you. Don't stop praying for your loved ones. Don't stop praying for those that you may have given up on, but God hasn't given up on. Look at this. God not only was showing favor to Mary, he was showing favor to Elizabeth as well, who was affiliated with Mary. That's how God operates. 
you begin to believe the, the favor of God rests on me. Therefore, he's going to start showing favor to all of those around me. I've seen this happen over and over again, by the way. This truly works. This truly happens. I've seen people at work that are either reporting to me or that I'm working on with and maybe as a peer and I'm serving the Lord and I've seen their lives anointed to do far more than they could have ever done by themselves. That's how God operates. His favor just starts spreading all around you to not only bless you, but to bless those that are around you. Verse 38 of Luke 1. Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be to me fulfilled. <laughs> May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. What an amazing way to respond to what God was telling her. Can you respond that same way? Lord, may your word to me be fulfilled. And maybe you heard a word 20 years ago that hasn't been fulfilled. Say it today. May your word to me be fulfilled. May your promises come true in my life. Make your face to shine upon me, Lord. Amen. Enter into the favor of the Lord and stop standing outside and saying, I don't deserve it. In fact, the, before we start talking about how to have the favor of the Lord and finding the favor of the Lord, let me tell you two ways that you're not going to find the favor of the Lord. We need to always explore not only what to do, but what not to do. Here it is. Two paths that do not lead to the Lord's favor. First of all, it's trying to earn his favor through your own good works. And then looking in the mirror and saying, I'm a pretty good person. I, I've done a lot of good things. And looking in the mirror at the same time, comparing yourself to someone else and saying, I'm way better than they are. You're not going to enter into God's favor that way. By looking at yourself and trying to prove yourself out. And, 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 and so we often do this. We look at ourselves and we don't like what we see, but then we look at someone else and we really don't like what we see there. So that makes us feel better about ourselves. That's trying to earn your own salvation. You are not going to find the favor of the Lord that way. And therefore, you're not going to have good things happening in your life either. Look, the second thing that you you shouldn't, another path you shouldn't take to find the favor of the Lord is reminding yourself, reminding God, and reminding everybody around you how you don't deserve anything from God. You're not going to find God's favor that way. And that convicts me because I do that all the time. God, I don't deserve <laughs> I don't deserve it. You know, I don't. God doesn't like that. That's not repentance is is looking at yourself and saying, I don't deserve it. That's not repentance. And that's not godly. And you're not going to find God's favor. He knows you don't deserve it. That's why he put it all on the cross with Jesus. He doesn't want you talking about how you don't deserve anything in life. Jesus already bore all of that shame on the cross. Stop living outside of God's mercy. Run into God's mercy and say, I deserve it now. With Jesus, I actually do deserve it. He actually paid the price so that I could appropriate all the good things that you have for me. So God, bring it on. <laughs> Don't run out of God's mercy. Run into God's mercy. In the Old Testament, the Israelites were encouraged to run to the mercy seat when they had done something wrong. In the New Testament, it says, go boldly before the throne of God's grace and ask for help in your time of need. Go boldly with your head up, with your chin up. Why? Because Jesus paid the price for you. Amen. So those two paths are not going to lead to God's favor. Let's see what does lead to God's favor. Let's look at how Mary did this, how she stumbled on God's, God's favor. First of all, 
Remember, going back to last Sunday, at the very first part of Luke 1, Luke says, I went, I'm the author of, you know, Luke's writing this book. He said, I went to eyewitnesses of Jesus, and I talked to them personally and wrote down an account of, of what happened. It's very, very likely that Luke spoke directly to Mary and got this story directly from her. And look at what Mary, I can picture Mary as an elderly lady now. She's reminiscing. She's thinking back on what happened. She's remembering that time when that angel spoke to her. And she looks at it with those piercing eyes of experience, of blessing, of, of a long life lived for, for her son, <laughs> Jesus Christ. And she looks at Luke and she says, the angel told me I was favored. When are you and me, when are we going to start looking at ourselves and saying, you're favored of God, acknowledging the favor of God, similar to Daniel, who wrote in Daniel, uh, Daniel 9:23, the angel spoke to him and he said, you are highly esteemed. You know what Daniel did? He wrote it down. <laughs> when God tells you you're highly esteemed, you're highly favored. You need to look in the mirror and acknowledge that. Say, I am highly favored of God. I acknowledge that. Just as, uh, just as the uh, Apostle John, I think it was five times in the book of John, said the he was the disciple who Jesus loved. Begin to acknowledge God's favor, his belovedness, if there's such a word, in your life, his love for you, his esteem for you. And then there was David in Acts 13, 22, referred to as a, a man after God's own heart. You need to acknowledge that. You know what? I'm a woman after God's own heart. I'm a man after God's own heart because of what Jesus has done for me. I appropriate his righteousness. I am a righteous person. Therefore, that scripture that says the, the prayers of a righteous man or righteous woman are powerful and effective. Why? Not because I've made me righteous, but because Jesus has made me righteous. I'm a righteous person. In fact, the Bible says, I think it's in 2 Corinthians, I can't remember, 9 maybe. <laughs> but it says, he was made sin. Jesus was made sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Not be righteous, become the righteousness of God. Powerful, powerful stuff. In Genesis 6, 8, Noah found favor in the eyes of he was just like mary he found it he stumbled onto it when the few people on the face of the earth that found favor with god esther found favor with god maybe not explicitly in a verse that we find but her life shows that she found favor with god that ruth found favor with god that isaiah the prophet found favor with god that jeremiah found favor with god you can find favor with god but you need to begin to acknowledge it you need to be, begin to, to acknowledge it to, to yourself, to God. Believe it. Stand in it. So how, how do you find favor with God? Well, it's found. This wonderful truth is buried in Genesis 1, 27 through 31. I discovered that th this this week, and I tell you what, it's changing my life. It's changing my life. This is fresh off the press for me. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, both male and female. Verse 28 of Genesis 1, God blessed them. Here's what happens. When you're created in the image of God, look at what happens. God blessed them, 
And he said to them, be fruitful and increase in numbers. I'll tell you what, when you're created in the image of God, you're going to find your favor with God. Look to be found in the image of God, and you're going to find favor. There's four things that happened to Adam and Eve. First of all, they were fruitful. They increased in numbers. They were blessed, number one. Secondly, it says here in verse 28, that God said, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the, of the sea and the birds of the air. The second thing, when you're favored of God, you're going to start being finally in control of your life. You're not going to be out of control of your life anymore. You're going to be able to control what you eat. You're going to be able to control your addictions. You're going to be able to control your bad behavior. You're going to control your anger. You're going to control your negative thinking. God's going to put you back in charge of your life. You're going to be self-controlled. It's a fruit of the Spirit. The favor of God comes on you. You begin to be in control of the things that you're out of control of. He says in verse 29, God says, I will give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree. I'm not just going to give you the trees in your backyard, not just the trees in one acre, not just the trees in the county, not all the trees in the plant in the country. I'm going to give you every single tree and plant in the whole world. Now, if you were a farmer, that'd be the best news you ever heard in your life. You'd be the sole supplier to Walmart, to Albertsons, to Whole Foods, to Costco, to Sam's. You would be wealthy above your wildest imaginations. God said, I'm going to give you all the provision that you need for your life. You're going to be blessed. That's number three. But number four is found in Genesis 2, verse 15. This is a favored person. What happens? God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden, the most wonderful place in the whole world. You can be in a better place in the Garden of Eden. And he says, I want you to work here, and I want you to take care of this. Now, Amazon there in Seattle has created basically a city within a city. Beautiful. There's there's a whole building that's uh, glass and and the employees can work there. They can eat for free, I believe. I might have Google and Amazon mixed up, but they can eat for free. They can they have all kinds of amenities that doesn't compare to the Garden of Eden. Can you imagine God saying, I, I want you to I want you to just stay here in the Garden. of Eden. I want you to work here, take care of this. I'm going to give you satisfying purpose for your life. I'm going to give you satisfying purpose. When you're created in the image of God, you're going to have satisfying purpose. You're going to you're going to have all the provision that you need. Uh, you're going to rule over yourself in ways that you only could have dreamed that you could have ruled over yourself. And you're going to be blessed and multiply and increase all because you're created in the image of God. What's the goal here? Those four things? No, I just want to be in God's image. And this is just going to flow. I'm going to find favor with God because I'm created in the image of my Savior. And now we know whose image that is. It's the image of Jesus. He shows us who God is and what God requires of us through the image of Jesus. I want to be in the image of Jesus. So then the question is, how can I be created in the how can I be transitioned in my old broken image the old Steve Norman now into the new Steve Norman into the image of God how can I do that here's what blew me away this week it's so simple it's so easy it's in first Corinthians three eighteen. it says now we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory 
are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Did you catch that? How do I, how am I transformed into Christ's image? By looking at Jesus. By paying attention to Jesus. By fixing my thoughts on Jesus. If you flip the coin there in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it says the God of this age, that's the devil, he has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel. They can't contemplate Jesus that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. See, we as believers, we've had the blindfold taken off of our eyes and we can see Jesus every minute, every second you spend contemplating Jesus, he's changing your life. He's, he's transforming you into his own image. And when you do that, you will find favor with God. That's what Mary did. She had found favor with God by simply staring at God, by looking to God and going beyond mercy and beginning to be raised up into God's grace. You don't have to lounge in mercy the rest of your life. God wants to take you and pull you up into his grace, into the everlasting heights of his grace, of his favor, showing you all kinds of wonderful things. That's why in Hebrews 12, 2, it says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of your faith. Now, you say, well, I can't, my physical eyes, I, I have to work. I have to look at this. And I have, yes, but throughout the day, maybe three times a day, as Daniel and David did, get down on your knees and refocus on Jesus. Refocus on him, thinking about him, listening to him, enjoying him walking with him, asking him questions, you will be transformed in the image of Christ and you'll receive such favor in your life, you won't even know what to do with that. You won't, you'll be bubbling over with favor. So why do our eyes get off of Jesus, though? Why? You want to kick yourself. Oh, oh, come on, man. You know, Sunday morning, I'm all about God, and then Monday hits me and I'm out for the count through Friday again. How? Why do my eyes get off of Jesus? Well, here it is. <laughs> There's this was eye opening too. I had a good week, by the way. I had a good good week in the Lord, man. He was just showing me so many things. But here it is. First of all, instead of looking at Jesus, I look at me, my identity. Uh, you know, in this day of in age of social media, there's this stupid term called personal branding. I want to have my own personal brand. What is that called? That's the me, me, me. I want people to look at me and my identity. I want to be recognized and remembered by people, my identity. So we think about our own identity all the time instead of Jesus's identity. Then we also look at my plan. I have a roadmap for my life. God, I hope it conforms with what you want because I'm headed in this direction. These are my desires. This is my plan, and this is my timing, and God, you better get on board with me. That's another reason why we get our eyes off of Jesus. And then the third reason we get off of our eyes off of Jesus is we truly, down deep inside, I think every single human being wants to leave a legacy. They want to be remembered for something great. All of us do. I do, you do, we all do. We all want to be remembered for something great. We want to legal leave a legacy. Well, as we try to spin up our legacy, we're getting our eyes off of God and his lega legacy. That's why the Lord's Prayer helps us 
get our eyes back on Jesus. Listen to the Lord's Prayer here in Matthew 6, 9 through 10. Says Jesus says, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your identity, God, is more important than my identity. In fact, the Bible tells me I need to die daily to my identity and take up the identity of Jesus through the cross. I die daily. Let me have your identity, God. I'm a Christian. (laughs) Write Christ across my forehead, and I'm good. All right? Let me be a Christian. Let me take up your identity instead of mine. Then secondly, your kingdom come. You know what, God? It's not about my legacy. It's not about my fame. Lord, it's about your fame. In Habakkuk 3.2, Tina introduced me to this verse. I don't have it thrown up here, but it says, let, let me remember your fame again. Let the fame of God, and now I'm just in going to a different scripture, but let the fame or the knowledge of God spread over the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. Let the knowledge of God spread over the whole face of the earth. Let the fame of God. I'll never forget. I was, Tina and I, and maybe the kids, we went to go watch a Christian speaker, I won't mention who it was, and I had my eyes closed, and as that speaker came onto the stage, the crowd erupted. It was almost deafening. Ah, it's like a superstar coming on. And I thought, because my eyes were closed, I was thinking, man, they're cheering for Jesus. I gave me chills, man. I was all, and I opened my eyes, and they were all cheering for the person. <laughs> you know what? Can you imagine if we went for the fame of God? Oh, we were in Brawl, Jesus, let your fame just explode on the scene. The kingdom of heaven, his legacy, not my legacy. And then the, the, the next section here in the Lord's Prayer is your will be done. All right. Now, God's will, I think, is made up of three components. God's desire, God's plan, and God's timing. Those three things. All right. And so the Bible says, and I think it's in... Um, Psalms 37, it says, (laughs) um, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And more and more, I'm realizing he will give me his desires and put them into my heart. I'll start wanting what God wants. All right. So I want to thrust out my desires and I just want his desires. Now, here's the thing. Many of your desires are in your heart because God has placed them there the current desires that you have. But you got to be careful because sometimes we get too caught up in the desire that God has placed in our heart. We obsess over it and then we forget God. So we can't avoid, we can't do that. But God's will is his desire, then his plan, and then his timing. And if we would say, God, forget my plan, forget my desire, forget my timing, I want to embrace those who will keep our eyes on Jesus. He will transform us into his image, the image of his son, and we will find favor with God. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. It teaches us what to seek. Well, look at this. We want God's name. We want God's fame. And we want God's game, (laughs) his game plan. All right? Let that sit in your mind. I've been rehearsing this. Every morning I wake up, God, your name, your fame, your game today. Amen. And I'm I'm feeling the favor of God. I feel like and I'm praying. I've been praying for each of you. I think I named everyone by name this week. God, help them to be fashioned into the image of God so they can find your favor. That's such a 
electrifying prayer. I've been praying it, God, for me, for my family, for my church, for my friends. Let them find favor with God by being transformed or conformed in the image of Jesus. That's that's maybe that's my mantra for 2021. I don't know. But look at Mary. We're almost done here. Look at Mary. The way she prayed, the way she glorified God, she was focused on God. She was looking at God. In verse 46, Mary says, my soul, what? Glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble estate of his servant. From now, all generations will call me blessed. Why? Because the mighty one has done great things. Her focus is all on God, looking to God. She's being transformed in the image of God. She's finding favor with God as she's praying here. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to all those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers in the, from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. Listen to that prayer. She's focused on God. She's looking at God, and only good things happen when you look at God. Only good things. I had a friend of mine who really, really wanted to be conservative with his money, really you know, put money away, save money. What did he do? He listened to talk shows about saving money. He listened to podcasts. He read books about saving money. It was consumed him. He looked and looked and looked and looked, and he finally became that kind of person. The same thing that happens with you. Whatever you're looking at, that's what you're going to be. <laughs> Look to Jesus, you're going to become a godly person. Look at yourself, and all kinds of rotten, bad stuff is going to start happening. Amen? Look to Jesus, and he will transform you. So Elizabeth Christians, I'll end with a couple of thoughts here. Elizabeth Christians, they believe God's word and God's promises and good for us when we do that. But Mary Christians... Mary Christians, they're going to trust God's nature. And that's the, I'm starting to catch little glimpses of this. The Bible says God heals, but then I begin to know God heals. He's the healer. So I can comfortably pray for anybody that I see, God heal them, because that's the nature of God. God says that he delivers people, but you know what? His nature, he's a deliverer. He goes for the he goes for the the, uh, the person who doesn't have any hope. The 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 uh, I can't remember the the uh, I can't remember the word. He's always going for the underdog. That's what it is. God goes for the underdog. That's just his nature. He helps the underdog. He delivers the underdog. And so the Bible says it. I believe it. But now I'm going to start trusting his nature. That that's just how God operates. That's just how God operates. I trust God. I trust that he's good. His nature, he's good. He's sovereign. He's all powerful. He's just. He's holy. God smiles. He cares. He hates evil, abuse, neglect, and fraud. God hates those things. He's, he heals. He delivers. And he saves. That's my God's nature. And I need to not only believe his word, I need to trust his nature. That's just the way that he operates. I want to be a merry Christian who just trusts God's nature. This is just the way God operates. 
when you know God's purity of motive, how he loves, how he cares for you, his almighty power, his endless provision, you can trust God. God is trustworthy. I've lost my keys. Um, Usually God helps me to find my keys like that because I lose them every day. I might even lose them twice a day. I lose everything. I'm always losing stuff. And so it keeps me trusting the Lord. God, help me find my keys again. And then my poor family, I just I just mentioned the word. Have you guys seen my keys? Everybody jumps. I'm like, no, 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 no. I, this is my problem, not yours. But they all they always help me find my keys. Well, I've lost my keys and I've lost them now for almost a week and a half. And I know they're in my house, though. And I won't go into all those details, but I know they're in my house. So I'm comfortable with that that side of things. But you know what is so cool? I just trust God. And if I never find my keys, I am completely and thoroughly trusting God that he's got that thing under control. I could tell you of 10 other problems that I have at work and this and that. And God is teaching me to restfully just trust him for every problem. Well, that's a merry type Christian. You're falling into the grace of God. You found favor with God. Therefore, you can trust God. And let me tell you what, you can say that you're trusting God, but trust is sure when you can fall asleep at night and know God's got everything covered. You're not worrying. You're not thinking about it. God's got you covered. Praise the Lord. Merry Christians wholeheartedly trust in God. And what does it mean to trust God? Well, let me remind you, it's leaning all your weight on God. So if he moves out of the way, you're going to fall. You trust God all the way. You put all your eggs in one basket and then you watch the basket. <laughs> right? All your weight on God, trusting in him wholeheartedly with no worries, no concerns. God is going to take care of your dreams, your plans, your future. Trust in the Lord. So if you trust God this way, it goes beyond believing into a continuous state of receiving a grace-filled person just receives from God, receives from God. What do you receive? Well, here's several things. You're going to receive emotional renewal. How about that? Receive God's grace of emotional renewal or intellectual enlightenment. You know what? Philosophy isn't going to enlighten you the way Jesus will enlighten you. He'll en- enlighten your intellect. He'll give you inner peace, so receive it says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts and minds. Let it. God's already given it. Now just receive the peace. Receive it into your hearts. Don't reject it. Spiritual faith, physical healing, restored ho- uh, hope, abundant provision, reconciled relationship, divine protection, eternal salvation, permanent safety, supernatural ability, endless strength, Freedom from selfishness, deep satisfaction, heavenly perspective, and the warmth of God's everlasting presence. That's the grace of God. Just receive it. Receive what he has for you today. And here's, here's what we tend to do. Let's say your, your loved one isn't serving the Lord. And you're pounding. You get up in the morning. God, save my loved one. I'm not going to stop praying until you save them. And God says, I'm going to. But today, I want you to receive hope. You say, no, I don't want hope. I want you to answer my prayer. And God says, no, what I have for you today is hope. Receive my hope. 
every day God has something for you to receive from Him. So set aside your demands and receive.